What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Week 5 DSF and DFS MVP Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 444.com. As always, with my trusty co-host, Mr. John Dangle, this is episode 226. Dangle, what's up, buddy? Doing well, fresh off a good week for those yeah. that joined us in the Discord conversation Sunday morning. Uh, lots of headbutting on wanting to fade Bill's Ravens for everyone, which I know yeah. was scary, but I remained adamant that that was the way yep. we should go and talked a lot about Chargers onslaught. The slate still came down to whether or not, at least winning, it came down to whether or not you played TG Hawkinson, but very easily last week to get in the green with the right pieces, even if you didn't have Hawkinson. Yeah, and we were on the right track on a couple things. Um, like even if you didn't like smash with Hawk, we 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 did note that even though fading Buffalo was a scary spot and, and I played Buffalo in my main account, but I obviously played a bunch of other lineups where I didn't have them. We did note that like the way the weak environment was set up, that if that Buffalo game didn't hit, that there was a really good chance because all the other games were projected for low scores, that if one game goes off, it does make sense to like to have a, an onslaught. So if we were on the Chargers, it was obviously the Lions, and every week there's not going to be a game that goes for 94 points or whatever. Um, but understanding the environment of the week was really important last week. And the winners of tournaments, as you mentioned in your Wednesday morning column, they really played all the chalk just tacked on 7% Geno Smith to it. And that <laughs> yeah. was like the unique diversification that you needed really last week. Uh, so yeah, a week that all the chalk hit, no big deal considering that some players that we discussed at lower ownership still went off. But last week was really about making sure you had every piece right. There was no room for mistakes. Um, this slate's really interesting because it's ugly. It's terrible. Uh, and yeah. I, I think there are... Definitely some unique ways. There are some high-octane offenses, but there are also ways to get off of those offenses. So we'll talk about it as we go along. Yeah, we will we'll definitely get into all those nuances. Before we do get into everything, uh, we mentioned the Discord on Sunday morning. If you haven't had access to that yet, uh, if you sign up as a new uh, DFS sub at 4 for 4 the subscription price has dropped down from 99 to $74 for the rest of the season. That goes through Super Bowl. If you are a Classic or Pro member, you could upgrade at the discounted rate as well. So discounted rate for the rest of the season. Uh, as we do every single week before we get into the nuances of our player picks, what is the, the macro concept that you're looking at this week? Do you think the... Bucks pass rate, a season high pass rate from neutral game scripts. Uh, do you think it was because they were healthy? Also, I should note an 87% pass rate, a league high on early downs, first and second down. Do you think it's because they had the receivers healthy, right? And Chris Godwin basically becoming a full-time player and two wide sets again. Or do you think it's because not just last week, but remember, they trailed the Packers 14-3 initially, had to throw. Last week, they were down 21-3, had to throw. Do you think that's the case? Because that's going to determine tournaments, in my mind, because you can easily double-stack Tom Brady. And I think a lot of people will get there on DraftKings in particular since he's cheap. I love it even more on FanDuel since he's right around Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen, and thus I imagine he won't be played as much, even though 300 yards and multiple touchdowns is what he'll do if he goes off in this game. Uh, but if not, if you don't think it's because their receivers are healthy and they actually will be this run-heavy offense, we can just lean on Leonard Fournette, especially because I think everyone is overblowing Rashad White's season-high snap rate. 
Uh, he didn't get his first touch till they were down 21 to three. I don't think he has a role at all. And I would love to just leverage off of Tom Brady and try to soak up the touchdown equity via the rushing game through Fournette, if that's the case. But again, that's why I'm asking the question. Do you, what do you think this offense is moving forward? Yeah. So this, this is the, this is where I think the, the season starts to get really fun because we have four weeks of data, but it's also like four weeks of data isn't gospel, right? So we're trying to extract the season long data versus new information that we get. If we look at the Buccaneers, if we look at this team with Tom Brady, we have a, a two plus year historical database of when they are healthy, this is what they're going to do. Right. Mm -hmm. So they started the season as an anomaly. Um, they got, they're, they're back at full health. We saw them. And it's not just the passing rate trailing. This is the great thing about like cer certain stats, if used improperly, are always can always be very tricky and faulty. Something like passing rate over expectation takes all these things in, into account, right? It, it tells us when teams are supposed to be passing, whether they're trailing ahead or, or in neutral game script, and compare that to the expectation. They were first in passing rate over expectation in all those situations last week by a gigantic margin. So they came out and they were like, we're throwing. So if I had to, to guess, I would bet that they come out and continue to do that along, as long as everybody is healthy. And to your point about Fournette, we saw last year, like even when they are passing a lot, Fournette is a huge part of that passing attack. He was number three in targets last week on the team. So similar to what we talked about with um, the Chargers last week, the Buccaneers are the type of team where if you do double Tom Brady, it doesn't have to be Godwin and Evans. It could be Godwin and Fournette or Evans and Fournette. I also think, like, I don't want to say this on the show. Uh, I, I like leaving everything for the Discord, but uh, I also think on DraftKings, you can tack on Stoneman, Kate Otten, and Onslaught oh, the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, I mean, Otten ran around on 56% of dropbacks, was basically an every down passing option whenever Cam Bray got injured last week. Bray, of course, he was ruled out. So, like, I think you can play all three of them together. Yeah. And that, I mean, one, Buccaneers tight ends combined for 13 targets last week. Obviously, a lot of volume there, but uh, Tom Brady did use all those guys. Otten had four. I think Brate had mm -hmm. eight. And then uh, whoever the third tight end is had had a, 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 another target. Um, but you, you mentioned the onslaught, and that ties into my point, my macro point about this week. And it's not to be reactionary to what we saw from the winning lineups last week. I'm not saying you shouldn't onslaught. It actually, this is an interesting week because it is a low scoring week. Again, no game with a total over at or over 50 of uh, the bills total just dropped below 30. It's now 29.75. So no team on the slate projecting for at least 30. So another low scoring week, which, which does tie into the idea of we can onslaught because of a game hits, that's going to be very good. But last week was a very unique situation. Not only we had two weather games, the, the two, three of the best quarterbacks, fantasy quarterbacks were in weather games, Josh Allen versus Lamar, and then Jalen Hurts. I underestimated the weather. It played a huge factor. The game with the second highest total was indoors, while the other two big games were outdoors with weather. Um, on top of that, the game that people onslaughted happened to have two of the heaviest chalk plays we've seen all season on the same team. Not to mention Tyler Lockett was very popular. So the only way for the chalk to hit in a perfect game environment was for it to go off that way. Like Hawk and Jamal weren't going to hit together if that game is 24 to 20, right? It's just not right. going to happen. So we kind of had this perfect storm where 
if you are go if the chalk's going to hit, they're going to hit together. And if they're going to hit together, that game's going to go off. And the only way to offset that mega chalk with that game going off is to add like three other pieces that are going to offset their ownership in the same game. That's how you got leverage off of it. We don't, the only spot we have two big chalk plays is the Niners game. And that's um, uh, with, with Jeff Wilson and Debo. That isn't a game that's going to go off. We don't have a lot of obvious leverage. Uh, and again, the chances of a game going for 90 plus points is just very, very thin. If we look at historic, just looking at something like the millionaire, six players from the same team, from the same game last week in the winning lineup, going all the way back to the beginning of 2020, that gives us 30, almost 40 weeks of data. Only one other winner used more than four players from a single game in the winning lineup. So onslaughts can work, especially in smaller tournaments, but I think people need to be very careful about the copycat and say, Oh, onslaughts work. I should be doing this every week. A hundred of my 150 lineups are going to be onslaughts um, for usually, especially if you're playing large field stuff, you need it's think about it like a, a, a nine team parlay with some correlation built in. Like you need to be really close to perfect. And it's, it's pretty rare that that all comes from one game. And you were discussing game on slots uh, for like the bucks, let's say, since we just talked about them, I'm not interested in playing a single Falcons player anyways. Like uh, I'm trying to get I, this 35 point mm-hmm. team total. And yes. I, I think they get there whether the Falcons push back or not. And I don't expect the Falcons to push back. So that's really what I'm looking at for just like strictly teams and just laying it to them. Yeah. We're going to talk uh, a bit about uh, teams that will and will not push back this week. Cause I do think that's going to be another really big part of this week. And mm-hmm. I know you have some thoughts on it in one of the games that we're going to talk about before we talk about those games. I do want to remind everybody that no house advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. You could play pick them contests versus other people for a shot at winning $250,000 in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills against the house and 20 X your entry. If you hit all of your picks bet up to five player prop over unders or individual player matchups across every major sport. You could sign up now with promo code four for four at nohouseadvantage.com or download the no house advantage app and get a first time deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. All right, uh, Daigle, speaking of Pick'em, it's it's a um, it's a game that we have been really getting into at 444. Again, going back to the Discord, if you have access to the betting Discord, um, I believe you smashed some some Pick'em uh, picks last night in that barn burner of a game that we had. We have Pick'em tools on 444. Uh, Ryan Noonan and Connor Allen have been uh, been really crushing betting, which translates to Pick'em player props. A lot of people have been asking about um, uh, pick them at four for four. There's a lot of overlap between DFS and betting. So we're adding a new segment this uh, for the rest of the season where before we get into the plays, you and I are going to build an underdog card um, uh, for their pick them games. Basically we have over unders for every relevant fantasy player. If you haven't played before, whether it be uh, their yardage, their touchdowns, their, their, their volume, even fantasy points. Um, and we're going to build it live on here uh, because I, I think a lot of people are, are getting more interested in it. I think it'll be really fun. So if you haven't signed up for underdog yet, go to four slash underdog or 
sign up with a new account at Underdog and use the promo code 4 for 4 When you sign up for a new account, you'll get a free DFS sub at 4 for 4 plus a 100% deposit match up to $100. Uh, that is only if you are a new Underdog sub. But um, let's get to uh, let's get to a new uh, card here. Let me get pull up a... And while you're pulling it up, I'll quickly yeah. explain to everyone that really what we do is sift through John Paulson's projections since yeah. historically he's been uh, one of the most accurate rankers whenever he used to submit his rankings and projections to fantasy pros, which he does not do anymore. He keeps it for everyone behind the paywall like I want to do for these DFS conversations. But alas, here we are. And we just take these projections and then look at underdogs numbers and say, oh, this seems pretty off compared to our projections. Thus, mm -hmm. we're going to go higher or lower on these numbers. And when we first pull it up. And looking at this, I'm going to pull it up, TJ. There we go. Uh, you can start with Giants, Packers, in my opinion. Uh, I believe it's the top game since it's the first kickoff in London. If you want to scroll all the way to the top. And you look at Saquon Barkley's very top. Saquon Barkley's rushing yards. Mm -hmm. And our projections have him, for instance, for uh, 92 rushing yards, 91.8. And for instance, he's sitting at 82 and a half. So let's start yeah. with higher there. Okay. That's our first one. And we're only going to go three deep here. We don't yeah. need to, I, do, you don't need do to you make chalk donkeys and do like four or five picks. Yeah. Do you, I mean, we, we've actually done a little bit of work. Sam Hoppin ha, has ran through these pickums, and he has actually found that like the optimal range is usually three and then like sprinkling in some four. But if you have like, I don't know, say you have eight, eight say you have eight picks that you like on the week, rotating those in with, Pickums of three. Do you agree with that? I like, I usually go three. If it correlates, I'll go yep. four. And okay. we'll talk about that in a second. I actually want to stay in this game to keep it easy for everyone. Because if you go down to Aaron Jones rushing yards as well, Aaron Jones, for instance, is Paulson's RB9 on the week, but he hasn't projected for 72 and a half rushing yards. Underdog hasn't projected for just 59 and a half. Big smash here. So we're going over. We're expecting this game script to continue for the Packers, friendly game script. And we know the Giants don't do anything anyways but rush, rush Saquon Barkley. When Daniel Jones got injured last week, all they did was put Barkley under Senator and give him wildcat rushing yards. They have no other answers. So this is kind of a game correlation. And then for one more, uh, let's go to Terry McLaurin if you want to find the Washington game. And it's not a big lean. For instance, Paulson has Terry McLaurin projected for 68 and a half receiving yards. The number here is 59 and a half. So not a wide margin, but still good enough to go higher. But more importantly, we like Terry McLaurin a lot this week. Uh, he, he made a couple of our DFS articles. He made our Discord bets, that number that I bet at FanDuel that I gave to everyone to lead the league, to lead Sunday in receiving yards, has already dropped down like 20 to 1 odds, basically. Um, we like Terry McLaurin a lot. And as you mentioned, maybe correlating if you want to go four deep, this slates, this slips just fine. These three I'm confident in. But if you did want to go four, I think I will correlate it with Carson Wentz passing yards. Yeah. Um, do you want to do that? Let's do it. Okay. 236 and a half. Let's go higher. The, the, the Titans' passing defense is absolutely atrocious. They are bottom five in pressure rate created. And more importantly for McLaurin, the Titans are allowing a league high 117 yards per game to receivers from the boundary. Uh, that's where McLaurin has run 81% of his routes this year. So I, I think it's a could be a sneaky big day for the commander's passing offense.
Yeah, Tennessee, um, if we look at their uh, rates against different types of receivers, they've allowed the most fantasy points per target to wide receivers uh, lined up out wide. They are top 10 in fantasy points per target to wide receivers in the slot. So they've had a lot of trouble defending that perimeter as long as Washington can um, keep the Tennessee pass rush off Wentz a little bit, which they have struggled to do, then they should really be able to attack the the perimeter of the um, uh, of the the Titans defense. Uh, are you ever messing with insurance on on underdog? No. Yeah, I, I don't. Insurance is in any uh, realm of life. Um, insurance right. is usually apparently you don't use it at the blackjack table either, <laughs> like myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so twenty five dollars to win two fifty if all four hit. Uh, as you mentioned, we always compare these to the four for four projections. So you can always. go on four for four dot com. Uh, on the rankings page, we have all of the projections laid out for, for every single stat, how we get to our fantasy points. So you can quickly um, reference those. So uh, we're going to throw that in. Uh, Daigle's going to throw that in as well. Hopefully you guys tell us and hopefully we uh, that, make some that money. Also, that also gave everyone a few extra um, DFS plays as well, yeah, which, which yeah, is yeah. what we'll try to do in this segment every week to not act, lose focus on DFS too. Like we just talked about Terry McLaurin. Thus, we won't be talking about him in our positional plays this week. I also don't want him steamed, but I already know what's going to happen. We're going to lose Terry McLaurin. He's going to be 40% rostered this week. And it's going to piss me yeah. off. Yeah, so if even if you aren't playing underdog, um, take that as a preview to the week. If we're talking about those games uh, and we don't bring them up in the DFS section, probably a, a pretty good chance that they are going to be added to our player pool. All right, let's hop in to the position-by-position position picks. As always, starting the quarterback. We touched on this game. Quarterback, you like this week? Let's start with Tom Brady. Make it simple because, again... I think double stacking him is the way to go. It's going to be significantly more ownership we have to fight against on DraftKings in particular, which is why I actually like him on FanDuel because he's expensive enough to where he may get lost. And either way, we know he could go nuclear and lead Sunday in passing yards, honestly, and touchdowns. But it's also interesting because, well, I, I like Tom Brady anyways, but I've even toyed, if you like other quarterbacks, you'll talk about one. But I think you may be able to play Chris Godwin and Mike Evans without Tom Brady too, because Ooh, they're only like there are only three offenses I truly respect on this slate that that I'm scared of. And we'll yeah. talk about one game in particular. I think you can fade, even though I'm not as confident as fading it as I was Bills Ravens last week. But honestly, like if you think this is the way they're going to play the passing offense, and you also think like the Bills or Eagles go nuts, you can just play. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, hope to get all the touchdowns and then also stack the other game you're looking at. So I, yeah. I think either way, the Bucks passing offense, like Brady is the analogy, but that's how I'm looking at it this week. Yeah, I, I don't like using non-Russian quarterbacks in cash games, especially on DraftKings, but Brady's price is crazy. He's down all the way down at $6,000 on DK. He's up at $7,800 on FanDuel. So like you said, he's going to be more popular on DraftKings. The interesting thing about the quarterback slate this week, I, I I might be a little bit wrong, but I don't think I've ever seen ownership like this where we have 
Josh Allen might see like 25% ownership on both sites. Jalen Hurts is going to approach 20%. On DraftKings, Tom Brady's going to be double-digit owns, but he'll still be way less than the other two guys. So even though he's going to be chalky, he's not going to be as popular as Hurts and, um, and and Josh Allen. And then the quarterback slate is, is so weak that after those three guys, like I had a tough time figuring out who to project for more than like 8% ownership. So everyone else is going to be contrarian, but I, like you said, there's only three offenses that I really feel comfortable going after. So I don't know if this is like the, the quarterbacks are going to be chalky that we're going to use, but I think I'm just going to try to figure out ways to still build my unique lineups, build, uh, you know, throw in a unique guy to the stacks, throw in some unique uh, mini correlations. But I, I don't think contrarian quarterback is the way to go this week. Maybe not. Uh, Seattle's defense is so bad that honestly they may elevate Andy Dalton to 300 passing yards. Um, I, I also yeah. like I also like another cheap quarterback. It's very ugly. I won't discuss him here. But overall, um, yeah, the, the the three quarterbacks you're discussing that are top heavy, it may be the way to go, and we can get contrarian around them. Like I already mentioned, Tom Brady, Evans, Godwin, and Kate Otten. That that lone unique piece will make your stack then contrarian enough. So. Yeah, there are different ways to go here. I, I was I was going to bring up as the the one like flip the build quarterback was going to be Teddy Bridgewater. I, I like that game environment. I like Miami. The only problem is that today Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill both popped up on the injury report. They're both listed as questionable. Obviously, if one or both of them miss, it changes Teddy's projection a lot. Um, so I'm just going to go with what seems like the obvious play, but it's it's um, a special situation this week with Josh Allen. $9,000 FanDuel, $8,200 DraftKings versus Pittsburgh, favored by 14. I mentioned that their total just dropped to 29.75, so it is below 30. That is the highest total on the slate. Josh Allen is the top quarterback value on both sides, but the reason this is really, really unique, if you are familiar with the 4 for 4 value scores, we don't use a point per dollar value score. We don't use a linear value score. We use a proprietary metric that kind of puts all of the positions on uh, even playing field, compares them apples to apples. It's almost always a running back that's a top value, which makes sense because they're the highest value position. They give the most volume. Sometimes like a Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams would be the top value. On FanDuel, Josh Allen is the top overall value across all positions. I went back through the 4 for 4 database. We haven't had a quarterback be the top value on FanDuel since week 10 of 2020. Kyler Murray went for 31 points that week. So even though he's going to be chalky, Josh Allen is, we very rarely see a quarterback project like this against the field. Buffalo's first in passing rate over expectation, not a surprise. Allen hasn't run a ton the last couple of weeks, but we know he could get it done with his leg. Pittsburgh's allowed the seventh highest passing rate over expectation. They're 27th in pressure rate, so I don't think they're going to cause Allen any problems. Even if you can't pressure Allen, he's going to get away. Only concern in this game, on FanDuel, I'm locking Josh Allen into cash games. On DraftKings, it's tricky to pay up for quarterback. I think it's probably going to be make the most sense, but definitely on FanDuel. Only concern in GPPs is what we mentioned at the beginning of the show. Can Pittsburgh push Buffalo? Um they're favored by 14. The bills are, we have seen Josh Allen still go nuclear and blowouts. But as I mentioned last week, when quarterbacks hit 35 DK points on average, their opponents score 30 points in the real game. When they get to 40 points on average, their opponents score 33 points. Pittsburgh just doesn't seem like the team to do that is, I mean, do you, 
Do you trust Josh Allen's ceiling if Pittsburgh scores, say, 17 points? Mm, I don't think so. I, I never ignore yeah. Allen if we think he's going to be 3 to 5%. That's when he always catches my eye, and I, pull, I onslaught him anyways, no matter what I think of the outcome. Uh I don't know what to I don't know what to do here though. I was actually shocked to see that Kenny Pickett actually had a 83% on target rate on his throws 10 plus yards downfield last week. Um so like he was much more accurate throwing deep than I thought because you know if you run this game back you can sneak George Pickens in here after he had a 30% target share from yeah. Pickett in the second half last week. So maybe you can depend on that. I I don't know, though, because I think this team total keeps decreasing for a reason. And yeah. as we know, even when even when these totals typically dip one to two points, that that's like a floodgate, honestly, for Vegas sports books. Like if they scored 24 points and just went 24 to seven, that wouldn't be shocking at all. Yeah, the the problem with Allen, even if we like get him at 20 percent instead of 25 percent, if you take an 8200 Allen on DraftKings and you get him at 22 percent, like. For him to kill you, he's going to have to go for, I, don't, I would say, 37, 38 for him to kill you. If he goes for 30 even at that high of ownership, that high of salary, you could probably still catch him, I would say. like He, he has to go just for, for, with that salary and that ownership, he has to go absolutely nuclear. And I think for him to go nuclear, nuclear, he needs to be pushed. So um, I uh, reluctantly agree with you because fading josh allen is terrifying but it worked last week so let's see uh moving on to running backs um i have no idea what to make of this game with the running back that you like so for me it's interesting because i know everyone wants to play ramondre stevenson and damian harris but I'm taking a stand and saying you should play Damian Harris because on FanDuel in particular, he's 1,200 more than Stevenson. Everyone's brain is going to shut down and just say, why would I ever pay for Harris when I could pay for Stevenson cheaper? That's the whole point, though, why we're paying for Harris. Not only that, but he still leads this team and carries inside the 10-yard line, five to Stevenson's two. So, like, I actually think Harris's touchdown equity is significantly higher than Stevenson's as well, especially on FanDuel, where that's all we're going for anyhow. So, right. I like Stevenson, or I like Harris quite a bit more than Stevenson. And this is such a, a great spot for the Patriots. Lions still banged up, whether Ramon Ross St. Brown plays or not. There's a reason the Patriots are favorites in this game, which you wouldn't expect since Vegas knows Bailey Zappi's under center. Like they are favorites because this is a, such a good spot where they just do nothing but hand the ball off and succeed that way. Also, if a defense is prepared to outgrind, like outbang each other in the front seven it's the Patriots like they couldn't keep up with the Dolphins in week one they do have the size to keep up with the Lions front with the Lions interior trenches so yeah I, I like Damian Harris quite a bit so when with the when I first looked at this game um the thing that popped me is I actually thought it was like a pretty good matchup for the Patriots defense even though the Lions have really been clicking and and obviously they have that shootout last week and if that is true then that is more of a Damian Harris game. I, I think people obviously are going to look at timeshares and say, like, how does he go off if he is getting, I don't know, 
60% of the backfield touches. On If you're playing him on Fanduel, like you suggested, we're chasing touchdowns, right? So even if he goes for 85 and two, even though that's not like going crazy, that's what 20.5 Fanduel points. That gets you there at 7,200. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah Do you it, have it, any thoughts on, we have someone in the chat, DFS on Underground. He listened to all our shows. This is something we've experienced in the past when he mentions perhaps playing both of them. Do you have any thoughts on that idea? Because I've toyed with it on DraftKings. I, I, I think it has to be a really unique situation. Like I, I think maybe like an AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones makes more sense. Like, like just not even thinking about price. I just don't think that the Patriots offense is going to be one where they're both going off in the same game. I might I have to think about that more, but it's just, it's yeah, a, that's, that's a, the same thing a, I'm dealing with. Um, it's a it's, really, it's a really tough sell. Like you need to, you, you need them to combine for four touchdowns basically, or it, it might make more sense on DK. Now, like if I really think about it, cause Stevenson could get there through receptions and Harris can get there through touchdowns. Yeah, I don't think I'm there yet, but it is an idea I've toyed with, especially because Jeff Wilson, who's going to be chalk, is sitting there at 5,500, like right around both Stevenson and Harris. And so I, I wonder how many people will choose one and then go Wilson instead. Yeah, and, um, and and I'm fine having two players from the same backfield in my player pool for sure. If you like a backfield and you're playing oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 lineups, like definitely mix it up. Um, Alvin Kamara is my favorite value this week. I, I, at the beginning of the week, I thought he might um, fall a little under the radar just because he's missed multiple games. And, and he's especially on DraftKings, He's priced really close to Leonard Fournette. So I haven't bumped up his ownership projection just yet. I think I probably will by tomorrow. Um, but when we see these situations where like these two players are priced really close to each other, Kamara and, and Fournette, um, for, I think Fournette's going to eat more ownership than than we saw. It's not the same situation, but we saw it last week with Herbert and um, Josh Jacobs. Herbert was still projecting as chalk, and I, I put Jacobs like up around 15% because I thought people would be like, you know, some people would think about the pivot, and it just didn't happen. Uh, Herbert came in at 40%, and Jacobs came in at 6%. Now, I don't say, I'm not saying it's going to be that extreme this week. I don't think Kamara's going to be as chalky as people think, but. Playing Seattle, favored by five and a half. Um, not a crazy high-scoring game, but none of the games on the slate are expected to be crazy high-scoring. In the two games that Kamara has played, he has at least 70% of the Saints' backfield touches. The only other backs that have done that in every game that they've been active this year are CMC, Saquon, and Najee Harris. 5.5 target per game average is exactly what we're looking for with Kamara. Obviously, the more the better. Andy Dalton, you talked about him possibly having a big game this week, and I think the Saints are in a really good spot. Andy Dalton actually did push the ball down the field last week, 10.8 average target depth, which is pretty high. But we also have a really big sample of Andy Dalton not being that guy in 2021, the sixth lowest average target depth in 2020, the eighth lowest average target depth with Kamara back on the field. I think we'll see a lot more of that Seattle 28th in the schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. They've allowed two 100 yard rushers in the last two weeks. And as I mentioned, uh, if we do get Fournette really, really popular, he is going to be a salary pivot off of Fournette. Kamara is at least on DraftKings. Uh, I agree with you, but also 
this Seattle defense makes everyone better. They elevate Jared Goff was just <laughs> Jared Goff was just the QB one in fantasy. Mm-hmm. They make everyone much better. So I don't even worry about. I don't even question if Andy Dalton will have a good game. I don't question Camara. Yeah. I don't question Chris Olave. I my question actually is. Is this a letdown performance off of London? That's what I sure, worry about. Sure. And so I yeah. only worry about the traveling, not actually the performance of like the Saints offense in this matchup. Yeah. My my point was just like don't look at don't look at like his his deep targets last week and think, oh, he's not going to check it down to Camaro. Like he's going to check it down to Camaro, right? Uh moving on to receivers. And this is, I think, the game that uh I wanted to talk about where you do think these teams could push each other. What receiver do you like? If they can push each other, let's let's talk overarching for Cardinals Eagles because it literally comes down to if you think the Cardinals hang around, you play the Eagles. It's that simple. If you don't think they hang around, we can fade this game, honestly, and thus make our player pool smaller and not worry about it. Uh, one of my favorite stats I've seen all week was Sharp Football's Rich Rebar tweet noting that Jalen Hurts hasn't scored a touchdown passing or rushing in the second half of games yet this year because the Eagles have been so good and their competition has been so poor. And at first, I really thought the Eagles, like, or if you had asked me on Wednesday, the Cardinals were live dogs. Like, I really thought they could win. If you look at the Eagles' schedule so far, they have only played pocket statues, whereas now they get Kyler Murray. They haven't experienced a rushing quarterback yet. But then you see the injury reports. Marquise Brown is truly questionable. Rondell Moore, if you ask me, I don't think he's going to play. A game-time call. And center Rodney Hudson has been ruled out. I just wonder if it's too much to overcome now. So I'm actually losing steam on this game overall. Uh, A.J. Brown also, 73% of his receiving yards this year have come in the first half, just like Jalen Hurts. So again, we haven't seen the ceiling yet. As crazy as it is, as great as they've played, we haven't seen the ceiling for A.J. Brown, who could be the wide receiver one overall in fantasy, Jalen Hurts, and Dallas Goddard. Um, And so we have to question if the Cardinals can push them. So that's all it comes down to. I'm I'm definitely in on Jalen Hurts double stacks with A.J. Brown in particular. That's the player we're talking about. And, well, we're talking about Dallas Scott later. But, yes, that's the stack I want if the Cardinals hang around. It's that simple. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the flip side to that is that the Eagles' backside is dealing with injuries as well. Darius Slay looks like he's off the injury report, but he started the week on the injury report. So I, I think he's fine. But Avante Maddox hasn't practiced yet this week. So they could be down at least one corner. So at the very least, like, you might get half the field that you could attack. Like, Avante Maddox isn't Darius Slay, but their defense has been – crazy good this year and if you take away some of that continuity and maybe you know if if uh you know the cardinals do all start or if they get a couple of their questionable players to start at least you might get a a really good matchup um not to mention both of the tight ends in this game so i I, a lot is going to depend on on the injury reports on this game i think and obviously if ronda moore is ruled out we've seen greg dorch's usage we just go right back yeah do you want to do you want to talk about Greg Dortch real quick? Like, might as well just mention him since we're in this game. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, Greg Dortch is my other player. That's the kind of the pivot we're waiting on because remember we've already seen this. Uh, he had in those first three games without Rondell Moore, uh, Greg Dortch had he led the team with no didn't lead the team, but he had twenty three targets overall, nine and ten targets, a 23% target share and 17% target share in weeks one and three specifically. He's a PPR machine if Rondo Moore's out because they don't change their offense. So it's just a quick pivot to be in mind because we're going to get the new Sunday morning. And I bet after Rondo Moore was removed from the 
lineup all together last week. Cardinals, interesting enough, they oddly ran 11 personnel and just 52% of their snaps last week. It was at 83% in the first three games. Like they had dropped down to two wide sets. But if Rondo Moore was ruled out, uh, Greg Dortch will go right back into his previous role. Yeah, I, I think that's um, I, I think that's that's a good point. Um, I am there. This game is is unlike the Lions last week. I just don't see the Niners having two chalk plays goes off go off. Jeff Wilson, Debo Samuel are both going to be the chalk this week. Uh, Debo seventy three hundred Fanduel seventy seven hundred DraftKings. His price on Fanduel is just like absurd. He's priced down as the wide receiver eleven, where he's priced as the wide receiver five on DraftKings. It's actually fair. He's a top five value on both sites, even with his oh, with his um, his his correct salary on DraftKings. But if we switch over to the ceiling projections on four for four, he's our top wide receiver value on both sites in terms of ceiling. He's the only wide receiver besides Cooper Cup with at least twenty percent of his team touches. He's one of three wide receivers with at least twenty five percent targets in every single game this year. And because he is going to get that wide receiver usage, even though the 49ers are favored by six and a half, he's going to be way less game script dependent than Jeff Wilson. And also if one player is losing work to the other one, it's going to be Jeff Wilson losing touches to Debo, not the other way around. Now, I know Debo hasn't been rushing it very effectively the last couple of weeks, but he still is part of that game plan. So do you do you trust either one of them more as a chalk play? Um, or do you even like the Niners having two chalk do you, plays? Do you think Debo's really gonna be chalk? I figured no one's gonna play him. On FanDuel, he'll be he will be because he's so he's really cheap on FanDuel. Okay. Uh, no, I'm definitely not <laughs> in this game, like I'm not playing both of them. Absolutely not. Jeff Wilson's really only a a player to get by with hoping he scores a touchdown. Uh, and so like those guys, we know we don't need to play, even though he is really cheap on FanDuel and DraftKings. DraftKings will also be highly rostered. But again, we can easily make up for his points via pass-catching running backs, especially in that range. So I'm not really worried about playing either, honestly. Uh, you could also sell yourself on the argument that a short week for them probably isn't best in this situation. Like That's why, as road, that's why it normally they would be more than just six, six and a half point favorites. Uh, normally they'd be over a touchdown in this spot since Baker Mayfield is completing a league low percentage of his passes from a clean pocket this year. Uh, they don't, the 49ers don't even need to get pressure, but that's what they do. They get pressure with four. And so it makes sense for Jeff Wilson more for me, but Debo Samuel w- will be the pivot in my opinion. Cause like you said on DraftKings at least, I don't think he'll be rostered. Yeah. I don't think he'll be too high on DK, but Fandle has, his. Um, salary is is crazy. You already talked about Tom Brady. Chris Godwin is the wide receiver on the Buccaneers that is priced down 7K on Fandle, 5,900 on DK. As we mentioned, Tampa, Tampa Bay was first in passing rate over expectation last week. Brady threw 10 targets to both Godwin and Evans, his top two wide receivers, but Evans is $500 more in Fandle. $1,000 more on DraftKings. Atlanta is landing the six most scheduled adjusted fantasy points to both quarterbacks and wide receivers. Do you, if you have to roster one, are you taking the discount on Godwin or are you taking the 100% end zone targets on Evans? No, you you know I like my expensive teammate pivots. That's like the best strategy the past two years is everyone's brains shut down, just pay for the cheaper option. We spend up for game theory. Uh, I would argue Evan's ceiling is still higher than Chris Godwin's too. So if you told me to pick one, I actually like Evans. But again, I think I'll be playing both without Brady. I think that's the yeah. way you go here. If and and I'll be playing both with Brady sometimes. And with too. Brady, um, yeah. I'm gonna mix yeah. it up, but I, I like both of them quite a bit. 
I if Godwin fits in my cash lineup, I'm locking him in. I I'm probably going to have to really bump up Chris Godwin's uh, projection ownership projection. He might end up being he could end up being the most popular player on DraftKings. The more I, I look through it, it's hard to do. It, after I like write all the content and we talk on on Friday. I start feeling uh, a lot better about ownership projections. So I put them out on Thursday morning because I know people want to play Thursday to Monday slate because they're sick, um, but they adjust a lot. And Godwin's one of those players that I think I'm going to um, adjust up quite a bit. Uh, going back to, to the Patriots game and your speak, we didn't even, you didn't even mention the fact that you called out that that Patriots game was going to have some scoring, uh, but obviously got overshadowed, but you're back on the Patriots again and they're tied in this week. So big picture look at tight end this week is that it sucks. It's awful. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That's why Tyler Higby and Zach Ertz are going to be chalk, but also Tyler Higby and Zach Ertz we're not scared of. Who cares about reception floor tight ends? Like play them. I don't, I'm, I'm not scared at all to fade them. So I'm looking, I'm chasing low percentage touchdowns, like low roster touchdowns is what we're looking for. And if we're doing that, we know John o. Smith is doubtful for this game. And we know in week one, Hunter Henry ran around on 83% of dropbacks. He hasn't been over 70% since. So, like, I actually think he's going to be an every down tight end if Jonu Smith is ruled out. And he's the stone minimum on FanDuel where we prioritize touchdowns. And on DraftKings, he's less than 3K. And more importantly, he's the touchdown leverage off of Damian Harrison or Mondre Stevenson. That's your unique pivot. So, I like Hunter Henry as the pivot quite a bit. Yeah, this week, I mean, on on – I, I don't know his salary on Fanduel off the top of my head, but on DraftKings, forty five hundred stone men. No, no, I'm saying I don't know. No. Um, I don't know um, Kittle's salary off the top of my head on Fanduel, but he is the only tight end priced over five k on DraftKings. And to your point, like it's just on an ugly tight end slate. If you are going to just punt completely punt the position you're not giving up a lot right there's no kelsey on the slate there's no um there, there's no waller on the slate there's no andrews on the slate so like even though i'm about to give you a guy that is a bit more expensive like there is a lot of um there you're not losing much by by just completely punting the position we're chasing we're chasing touchdowns like you said so this is a really really good week especially if you are going to pay up for some of these more expensive stacks to just hold your nose and completely punt the position and we talked about a little bit of Kate Otten as well with our Tom Brady stacks too yeah, be unique definitely if you read if you read the GPP write up so uh, we got some Kate oh, in there okay. nice. uh, uh Dallas Goddard is going to be less popular than Zach Ertz and and Tyler Higby as you mentioned yep I again, I didn't. I I don't have Tyler Higby projected up that high because we're not projecting him that high. But um, I've already seen like on Twitter and stuff people saying that Higby is the play, and and we got Higby written up as our cash game play from Tim Talmadge. So probably gonna have to bump him up as well. But what that's going to do is going to keep Dallas Goddard in this kind of ambiguous like ten percent range where. All th this is the nice thing about stacking Jalen Hurts this year is like he hasn't been steaming up his um his, his pass catchers like we've seen all of them just kind of hover in this ten to twelve percent range but none of them are getting up to twenty percent so you mentioned AJ Brown you could throw Dallas Goddard in here as well you're still even if Jalen Hurts is seventeen percent you're still gonna have somewhat unique combos no matter how you stack them because none of his players are going to be that popular with him Arizona thirtieth in schedule adjusted points allowed to the position uh, Goddard uh, elite 
metrics so far this year. One of seven tight ends with uh, route participation above 80%. He's fifth in yards per route run. Um, and this is the highest total on the slate. So again, if if Arizona pushes, again, have to look at the injury report. Daigle's cooling on them a little bit, but uh, it's tough to say that like out of our th- big three quarterbacks, we'll call them Brady Hurts and, and Allen. I, it's all of them. I really don't feel great about, or don't feel like I have to bring it back. So maybe if I'm stacking, it is this game. And Goddard arguably has the highest ceiling on this slate at his position. Since we, like, as you mentioned, don't have Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey that we're worrying about. So yeah, I like Goddard a lot. Uh, If you take away week three, when he got injured and they didn't put him back on the field because they were just routing their opponent, uh, his route rate has increased in every single game so far, weeks one, two, and four, including running a route on literally every single drop back when he returned from injury last week. So, yeah, I mean, his usage is the best, honestly, among all tight ends. Uh, we just need pushback. And and I, again, I'm, I don't know which way I'm leaning. It's going to, I'm truly just going to take it down to the wire on Sunday morning. I would love to get Hertz double stacks in there, but I don't know yet. I, I want to see what Vegas, I want to see what the sports books do with this total. Yeah, we've we've taught we've called um, Robert Tunyon the baby Kittle before, but uh, maybe maybe Goddard is the Kittle clone because he's the Yak King this year. All that low A dot and just doing all the work, all the work after the catch with the ball. Uh, let's move on to the final position of the week: defenses. Uh, always a fun one. We can always just say stack with your running back, but uh, any anyone standing out to you this week? All the favorites are appropriate, pl- appropriately priced. Like sometimes we'll get a favorite that is like minimum or close to the minimum. All the favorites on DK are 2,900 or above. That's true. Even though I think the 49ers at 4,400 should be more expensive. So I, I think paying up for 49ers or even spending 5K on the bills, I think both of those options are, are just fine. Probably the way I'll go. If you want to sneak one in, I still bet no one plays the Patriots, even though, again, they're home favorites over a Lions team, which tells you Vegas knows more than we do. And uh, it's such a good spot, given how banged up the Lions are. Like, yeah, we, like we the know game. the Seahawks couldn't shut down T.J. Hawkinson since he was their number one player. The Patriots can and will. So I like the Patriots' defense. And like whether I play Henry or Patriots running backs, that's my correlation. I'm glad you said that because I have pets in my GPP write-up. Um, mm-hmm. Even though we built around Washington in the underdog uh, segment, th- because it's Washington, because it's Tennessee, there is a very wide range of outcomes in that game. So I do like Tennessee's defense in DFS. Not saying don't play Washington. You could play them in different lineups, but Tennessee at 4,200 on FanDuel, 3,000 on DK. They are favored. Washington does have an implied point total under 21. Last week, they fell to 14th in passing rate over expectation, but they're still first in overall passing rate because they've ran the third most plays trailing by seven plus. And they're also allowing the third highest adjusted sack rate, according to Football Outsiders. I mentioned when we talked about uh, uh, Terry McLaurin and Carson Wentz, as long as they can protect Wentz, they can attack that perimeter on the Titans. The issue with them is can they protect him? And it's not even just protecting him. Sacks are quarterback stat as well, too. Uh, sacks seem to follow Carson went so if he can stay out of trouble but uh if he can't I think the Titans are a really good play and uh there's probably if you read Daigle's article a correlation play in there as well there definitely is this <laughs> building this week is going to be fun um I feel like I'm on the right plays already like like we talked about last week I'm getting probably overconfident honestly with all the data we're getting now um and evidence we're getting with these teams 
it feels like a week though where I'm not going to get the players. Like I'm going to get the wrong pieces here. But yeah, we'll I see. start I start writing my article Thursday morning, but it takes me about 24 hours to complete. Just because I messaged you on Thursday, and, and yeah, no, I know that's what I say. Daigle messages me at at about 8 a.m. my time on Thursday and goes, uh, "I got the player pool. We're going to win this week." So <laughs> all the call, easy game. I got the, the players. All the confidence easy this game. Week. We're, yep. we're ready to rock. Um, I'm going to get will, them wrong. I'm yeah, gonna get all the in, in addition to the players we just mentioned, uh, we're going to give you the rundown of the rest of our players. Sunday morning at 10:45 a.m. Eastern time in the four four Discord. So if you haven't signed up for the DFS subscription yet, reminder that it has dropped down to $74 from 99. So get signed up for that and you get access to the Discord uh server. If you haven't signed up for underdog yet, if you have a brand new account, you can go to 444.com slash underdog and follow instructions on how to get a free DFS subscription plus 100, 100% deposit bonus match up to $100 uh, for those new underdog accounts. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe to our channel. Please like this video. It helps us out a ton, gets us more views, and we already appreciate you guys for viewing. So if you can help out, that's awesome. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, uh, please give us a five-star rating or review. That helps as well and we really appreciate it it's a very easy way to give back to the show to give back to 444 uh if you want to follow some more of our takes follow mr daigle at not j daigle follow myself at tj hernandez 444 as always is at 444 football we will talk to you guys next week